This is episode 96 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share with you that I created a brand new free prenatal pelvic floor resource for you. It's a free ebook with three common misconceptions when it comes to preparing your pelvic floor for birth and includes three tips of what to do instead. If you're pregnant or know someone who is, this resource is key for preparing for birth. The tips I share are what I teach and have worked through with hundreds of prenatal physiotherapy clients and I used myself with both of my pregnancies. Also, a bonus is that two of these tips will also give you a head start on your postpartum recovery by understanding how to connect to your pelvic floor before you even give birth. You can go to the link in the show notes for this episode at twobirthandbeyond.com or to my website, holistichealthphysio.com to download your free ebook today. Hey, it's Anita here. I'm jumping in before we get into today's episode to let you know we're re-airing a popular episode from earlier this year, and it's the birth story of my son, Jack, who arrived one year ago. If you're listening the day this is released, Jack turned one two days ago, and I'm sitting in our living room looking at the Christmas tree, similar to when I was in labor, so this week has been pretty nostalgic, thinking of a year ago in the anticipation of Jack's arrival. Since sharing his birth story on the podcast, we've heard from so many listeners how it was helpful to hear a positive birth story, plus ideas around sharing your due date, what may help you physically and mentally in labor, advocating for your birth preferences, and the role of a doula. Regardless of where or what type of birth you're planning, or if you're with a doctor or midwife, we know you'll take away some helpful tips in preparation for birth. Welcome on to another episode of Two Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. And today I'm going to actually share about uh, Jack, who is my second baby, um, that he arrived December 1st, uh, 2018. And I've had had people ask if I could share about the uh, our birth story, and I would be happy to on the podcast. So, Oh my gosh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I know details, but yeah. I love birth stories of all shapes and varieties. So give yeah. us all the details. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, actually, a friend of mine, since giving birth, she actually, it would be good to do an episode about this, too. She said I kind of prepared for this birth, like uh, I was preparing like an athlete, um, basically for a competition or for a marathon. And it did feel that way. And I did that with both babies. Um and I feel there was a lot of positive sides to doing that. And it definitely didn't guarantee uh, that birth was going to go as I had hoped. Um, Jack's birth did go pr- 
pretty much exactly how I had hoped. But just for people listening to know, there's no guarantee and birth can always take its twists and turns um, with that. So um, so with Jack, so as um, if you've been listening for a bit, you know that I was planning a home birth with him. Um, and I also had a home birth with my daughter, Pippa, who just turned three this week. Um, and so kind of leading up to his birth, um, I was past due, past his due date, which I was with Pippa and I was expecting to. Um, I've done some posts about this uh, with Jack. I actually didn't share his due date with um with anyone really other than like our birth team who needed to know. Um and I thought it was great because I assumed I was going to go past due. And so that saved the texts and messages of your past due. Or are they going to be talking about induction and, you know, going down the line with that? So um, so I was past due. And earlier that week, though, um, I was fine with my midwives just checking to see where where I was, knowing that that doesn't always give you a lot of information. But we just wanted to see at that point. Um, and so earlier in the week, I was not dilated at all. And they said it was about 50% of face, which means that the cervix was starting to thin. Um, and why I mention that is because I think a lot of times, I know a lot of expecting moms get really frustrated when you get cervical checks during those last few weeks. And if nothing is happening, you assume that birth is pretty far away. Um, but this was just a few days before I gave birth. Um, and I had done some acupuncture that week and kept up with lots of release work, kept exercising, kind of the usual I'd been doing, you know, a few weeks before that. Um, and so also leading up to it, my toddler had been like, Pippa has been a pretty good sleeper as a toddler, as a baby, she was up quite a bit, but as a toddler, she's, uh, you know, slept quite a bit through the night, but I find it interesting that they kind of know, like, I felt like she knew he was coming because the couple weeks before that, she, a couple of days a week, she'd be up at night and she'd want in our bed. Um, and anyone who slept with a toddler knows they take up a lot of space. So I would end up with my pregnant belly on the edge of the bed, almost falling off any night she was in there. And so this particular night, the same thing happened. Um, and so it was about 11 p.m. and I woke up and I was barely on the bed. So I went to, we have a, a guest room office um, space. So I went there to, to sleep a bit more and then woke up at it was about two o'clock. And I was having the familiar feeling kind of like when I started with Pippa, where it was like really mild menstrual cramps. And I hadn't really had Braxton Hicks with either of them. Um, but I was like, this could be something or this could be absolutely nothing. And so tried to go back to sleep, but that was not happening. And so I was just kind of lying there and being like, all right, if this is labor, because it was going on for a while. I was like, if this is labor, then I might as well just, you know, get up, start moving, um, even though I tried to rest. And everyone will tell you, every care provider will tell you to try to rest. And it was the same with Pippa. Her labor started like mild cramping, probably about 6 p.m. And I didn't end up sleeping that night. I just couldn't. I mean, part of it's excitement, but part of it is it just couldn't go to sleep. So uh, I was up by the time I got out of bed, it was probably about three. And I figured I'll have a shower. I'll wash my hair. 
uh, knowing I'm not sure if this was labor, I'm not sure when I'd get a chance to actually do that again, wash my hair. So I'm up in the washroom, washing my hair, drying my hair. My husband walked in the bathroom, probably it was about three 30. And he was like, like, what are you doing? And I was like drying my hair in the bathroom, listening to podcasts, by the way. Um, I was listening to a few of my favorite kind of birth podcasts and I was like, I'm fine. Some mild cramping. It's probably nothing, but I can't sleep. And he's like, okay. So I told him to go back to bed, which was actually similar to Pippa's um, labor as well. Like I, I knew if it was going to be long that he would need his energy too. And if I can sleep and he could, I was like, just go back to bed. So he did. So I decided to not time the contractions, but I was just aware that they were pretty close together. But because they were like that with Pippa, um, when labor started kind of at 6 p.m. and I gave birth to her the following evening. So I decided not time them, but just be aware that they've been going on for a while. So it was about four, I think it's about four o'clock. I called my doula. Um, who happens to also be a physiotherapist. Um, she's a pelvic physio, an ortho physio, but she lives in Barrie. So she's a couple hours away from where we live. Um, so she was also very adamant. She's like, don't worry about calling me early. And if it ends up being false labor, it's not a big deal. She's like, I'd rather get there um, and have to go home if it's nothing um, versus it being too late. So I called her at that point. Um, and, uh, and so she said she would be on her way. And so it would take her a few hours to get here. Um, it was also December 1st. So we did have snow knowing it would take a little bit of time. So let her know. And then, uh, yeah, just kept getting ready (laughs) in the washroom. Um, and then went downstairs and I was just kind of, my big thing for both labors was swaying. So kind of leaning against the wall and swaying my hips. It's just what my body always wanted to do. Um, so that continued. So I came downstairs. I tried sitting on the birth ball, but, or even lying down on my side and seeing if I could get some rest, but my body just was not happy with any of those positions. So kind of do the swaying thing, still listening to podcasts. Um, and then I think it was about six o'clock. Um, Andy, I actually woke him up <laughs> and it was the same thing with him. I told him at that point, I was just like, I need some support at this point. Like, I don't want to do this by myself at, uh, anymore, basically. Um, so he ended up getting up and then we were also deciding at that point, cause things seemed to be getting a bit more intense, still could talk through everything, but I did need to stop for, uh, when I was having surges. So we were making a decision about our daughter, what we wanted to do. Um, And we had set up that my mother-in-law would come and get her and they would have a sleepover at her house. Um, So he did end up letting her know, but he didn't want to kind of concern her. So he just said, we think labor's starting. If you can come and it's about a 45 minute drive. Um, And he didn't want her to to rush on the roads either. Um, So, she was on her way. Pippa ended up waking up and, uh, and I was still kind of swaying through things. I don't think she knew. I was pretty sure she didn't know I was in labor. Um, was she but she knew I would have to kind of, Oh, I was going to say, was she trying to 
like talk to you like normal does she want your attention yeah 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 oh yeah yeah and at that point I could like I could but I would yeah I would have to stop um but as time went on I would have to stop and like I would start to vocalize and have to kind of yeah like moan and let out kind of yeah sound basically during a contraction and I could tell she was just kind of like Mm, something's <laughs> different with mummy. <laughs> what's happening to um, my mummy? <laughs> yeah, like what's going on? And um, so it gets to a point, it's, I think it's about 6.37. And the other thing too is we hadn't called the midwife at this point. Um, with Pippa, it felt like we ended up calling them earlier because again, surges seemed really close together. So we were like, things must be progressing, but they weren't super intense. Um, so we kind of felt like the midwives with Pippa's birth were probably there earlier than they needed to. And I knew how my body worked best was like the least amount of eyes on me. Like I just kind of wanted to do my own thing. And that was something we went over a lot during pregnancy. Um, and the midwives were really, you know, respectful of that. And they were just like, you know what, we can listen to you. We can be in another room. Like, so I felt really good about that happening during labor again as long as medically everything was going well um so it wasn't until sometime between six and seven we called um the midwife that was on call and we knew it would take a little bit for her to get there she lived out of town plus she had to stop by the clinic to pick up all the supplies to bring to our home um so we let her know and then uh it's yeah getting getting closer seven seven thirty ish um, and I remember things were starting to get more intense. And I told Andy, I'm like, I am not waiting to get in the birth tub. We had rented a birth tub from the midwives. So it's like, I want you to set it up. Like, I'm not waiting for our doula. I'm not waiting for the midwife. I'm getting in. So he's like, okay. So I actually have pictures of Pippa helping him, which is like really sweet that I have. We have those memories. That's so, cool. um, so he's setting that up and then I'm trying to, uh, you know, talk to Pippa between surges and knowing that this, like, I knew this was labor. So we would share some hugs and just those moments that I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is, like, I knew this is kind of one of the last times. Oh gosh. You're making me cry. Yeah. It's just so, I was going to ask you about your emotions, like when labor first started through those first couple hours. Yeah. Did you yeah. feel, what did you feel? It was, so I just, um, I didn't really feel emotional at that point. It was almost like, okay, this, if this is labor, I like know what my body needs to do. I know what I need to do. And what I need to do is get out of the way um, and just let my body do whatever it needed to do. And, you know, I wanted to be upright and moving, but and that's what my body did. It's this swaying move that it wanted to do with both babies. But I just, I had prepared a lot mentally for just getting out of the way and just surrendering to whatever my body wanted to do, because you can prepare and learn about different positions and postures and, um, you know, things during labor that can help. But in the end, I was like, my body's going to gravitate to whatever it wants to do. So at that point, I wasn't there wasn't a lot of motion. It was more of just like keep going with whatever I can do to almost distract myself because I didn't know how long labor was actually going to be. Um, so yeah, as 
that at that point in labor, like I remember like sharing these hugs and stuff and someone had asked me if we had captured any pictures of that. And I captured just pictures of Andy and Pippa setting up the pool, but we didn't have a birth photographer. And I think there's so many amazing benefits to having one. And I would have loved to have one, but I also knew for myself, again, it kind of went back to with Pippa's birth, I knew less eyes on me worked better for my body. So I just felt if I had a photographer, that's another set of eyes that would be around. And whether my body would know or not, I don't know. Um, so we didn't, we, our doula captured some pictures during, uh, during birth, but we didn't have all the, you know, pictures you might see from a photographer. So yeah, so we were kind of sharing those moments. And then I remember at one point getting kind of intense as things were getting more intense and Pippa's just like, mommy. Uh, and I was like, Andy, where is the midwife? Where's her doula? And where is your mom? <laughs> and because I was just like, I knew I couldn't focus on Pippa anymore. And he oh, yeah. could tell that things had progressed pretty fast within, that was probably about like a half hour span. Um, and he's like, I called my mom and like, we knew we had called the midwife. And I knew we'd call my doula. And they were coming as fast as I know they could. So it's kind of a question that there wasn't really an answer for. They'd get there when they could. But was kind of funny afterwards is we did find out is because Andy hadn't really said too much to his mom, just like, we think Anita's in labor. You know, you should come. When he called to check, she was actually in the Tim Hortons drive through. Oh and, uh, and so for those, if, for those not in Canada or don't know it's important, it's, it's a very common coffee shop here in Canada. So she was making that stop and Andy's like, yeah, you need to get here. So anyways, she ended up coming. Uh, I was in the birth pool at that point uh, and the doula had just gotten here as well. And so my mother-in-law came in. I got to say bye to Pippa and so she took Pippa um, and we had her overnight bag and everything all ready to go and they had a fun day planned. So I knew she was going to be taken care of and it was going to be a great day for her because we also weren't sure how labor was going to go. Um, and it progressed pretty fast and got really intense. So it, we look back and I'm really glad we had that plan because it wasn't, I needed to focus so much on each surge. I knew Andy needed, I needed his support, but also he was taking care of the tub, towels and all these things that there wouldn't have been someone to really focus on Pippa. So I, I don't think it would have been an experience. Um, like it wouldn't have been what I had hoped for if she was going to be there at the birth, just because neither of us could be there for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so my doula arrived, Pippa went off and then I was in the tub on hands and knees, which is also it's so interesting to see similarities and differences between births. Uh, I was on hands and knees very similar to Pippa in the tub um, and my doula was there. And all I wanted was like during a surge was this particular like spot on my back to be rubbed and I wasn't having back contractions. Um, so I don't know why my body wanted that, but it was just something I needed to have. And I remember being in the zone and like if a surge came, I was like, someone rubbed my back. Like if my doula was like changing towels because they were wet from the water or my husband, like I needed someone there. And so someone would rush back and rub my back and and then I'd be fine between surges again. And also if anyone's hearing any little baby noises, it's because Jack has joined us as well for his story. Um, So I remember being in the tub and so how our house is kind of laid up is like, 
or laid out is our living room and dining room kind of meld together and then our kitchen is off that and it's actually fairly close to the front door so I remember being in the tub and hearing the midwife come in and she just kind of like you know let everyone know she was here and she was going to go start setting up her supplies and get in the kitchen and she had kind of come by the tub and said like hey Anita I'm here um I can check you as in like a cervical check to see where things are at and then she went in the kitchen to to set things up um and I remember turning to my doula and I said I am not having a check and so I remember hearing my doula go in the kitchen and telling my midwife um she really doesn't want to check right now and my midwife was like that's totally fine that's no problem um and for those who've heard the home birth episode I meant to mention that so Caitlin Murray who's a midwife um was one of my midwives on our team um she wasn't actually on call so she wasn't actually ending ending up at our birth um which we wish she had but the midwives who were there were absolutely fantastic so I thought I would mention that in case you're thinking this is Caitlin um, but this was Catherine. Um, and so, yeah, so I was waiting, just, you know, hands and knees in the tub going through surges. And yeah, they had gotten intense. And I remember talking to Andy after and he, him looking back at this Jack's birth compared to Pippa's birth. He's like, things just happened way faster. He was like, all of a sudden you were at a point that I remember with Pippa, it would be hours, but you were there within like half an hour, 20 minutes. And things just kept changing pretty quickly. And also I had my hypnobirthing uh, track basically going the whole time off my phone. Uh, and I remember thinking that was interesting too, because basically I had my phone, it was on a chair right beside me at the birth tub and anywhere I went, uh, my doula knew, like Trish knew to bring it with me because I had to have that with me. Like it just, during pregnancy, basically 20 weeks on, I listened to it every night going to sleep. Um, my husband just had to put up with it because I said I'm the one giving birth and he knew from last time it's just like whatever he's gonna have to listen to this going to sleep too um, so had that going on my phone the whole time and uh, and then my midwife when she got kind of settled in and she came and she asked so when like when was the last time you went to the washroom and I had no idea like time at that point um, I was like I thought it had been a bit anyways. Um, so she's like, why don't you go in our washroom? The only one we have is upstairs and the birth tub was downstairs. So it was a good idea because it got me to get up and out of the tub. It got me walking. And so basically my doula and my husband were either um, on either side of me um, as we were going and kind of, I would take a few steps and stop, basically have a surge and vocalize and then when it was done we would take a few more steps so there were a number of surges just to get up the stairs at this point um and I still remember being on the stairs and we weren't quite at the top and I was like another one like another one's coming another one's gonna happen and my husband's like do we stop do we go to the top like he just didn't know what to do and I was like just get to the top and then I'll have then uh then we can stop or whatnot um went to the washroom which is a really good idea to do during labor so if you're able to be out of bed and be moving why it can be helpful is a it, it gets you moving obviously to the washroom sitting on the toilet is great um, relaxes your pelvic floor but emptying the bladder is important because if the bladder is full it can take up space um, for letting the baby kind of come through the birth canal so it is a great idea I'm glad my midwife did bring that up because I was not thinking about that at that point 
So went to the washroom and then we did the same, you know, coming down the stairs, a few steps, stop having a surge, um, came back down and then spent some time just standing and swaying in the living room. Cause my midwife was like, it, sh- it would be good to be in a different position for a bit, not back on hands and knees the whole time. So we did that. Um, and then I wanted back in the tub. So we did. And trying to think of kind of what time this was at this point. This is probably 8.30 or 9. Um, and so it was in the tub again, hands and knees, similar, kind of the back rub with surges and the hypnobirthing track. I did listen to some music for a little bit. Um, but then for some reason, just my brain and my body just wanted the, the hypnobirthing, which worked well. And then again, the midwife asked after a bit, she's like, Why don't, it's been a little bit. Why don't you do that again? Go up, go to the washroom and come back down. So we did that. But then when we got back to the living room, I remember having this sensation of, I wasn't sure what was going to, like, what was going to happen, but I just, it's something just felt different when we got to the living room and stopped for a surge. All of a sudden, my waters broke. Like, and it was, my doula was like, it was like everyone was kind of in shock and it was just like, <laughs> I guess describing it as like a massive water balloon breaking. Um, it was, yeah, a bit of a shock. And my midwife was just very calm the whole time. She was amazing. And she's like, well, that's great news. It means that the, uh, it means the baby's coming soon. And I was like, I would like back in the water like right now. I got back in the pool and I should mention too, so pretty much throughout the entire labor, Either my doula or Andy, my husband was with me, you know, holding my hand or doing the back rub for each surge, uh, making sure that, yeah, the hypnobirthing that I could hear that that track the whole time, um, getting towels, um, just making sure I was comfortable. And my midwife, I would look up once in a while, I noticed she was either in the living room or she was in the kitchen and she was just really listening. After my water broke and I got back in the tub. So how it works here is we have one main midwife who's with you throughout labor. And this is whether you're in the hospital or a birth center at home. Um, And then as you get closer to the pushing phase, they will call the second midwife to come uh, who, who the plan is for them to be there when the baby is born. And so one is taking care of the baby. One is taking care of you. Um, So my midwife was like, just, you know, let me know when you start to feel a little pushy. Um, And something we also talked about throughout pregnancy is, it was really important to me about spontaneous pushing. So not having coached pushing, if that really wasn't needed. Um, so that was talked about quite a bit and how this midwife had put it, which I loved how, how she put it during pregnancy is to not, or try not to push until you can't not push. So basically that your body is like the urge to push is so strong. You can't help but go with it. And that's exactly what I was hoping for. And that's exactly what happened. So I remember starting to feel, I was like, yep, feeling pushy. And so, and she could hear me vocalizing during it. Um, It was just this really strong intensity to get push. And my body was just doing it. And I was on hands and knees. I was just letting my body do it. Um, So she ended up calling the other midwife. um, And it was about four minutes of pushing and Jack was here. So I put, I think I pushed probably about, yeah, about four times. I asked her after how long she's like, yeah, it was four minutes because it was only a few pushes and that was it. Um, and I was trying to think like how to describe it. And yeah, it's just this overwhelming intense to just go with my body to bear down and to 
to push him out. So my body just got, I could feel him as he got close to the opening. Like I could feel a bit of the ring of fire, but it wasn't like, it was just something my body just went through. But I remember my doula and my midwife both telling me to kind of pant or slow down the breathing so that he wouldn't come out really fast. The, I remember hearing the second midwife, Lisa, just come in and it was literally, I think it was just before the last push before he came out. So she just made it. Um, and uh, and I remember them saying, kind of reach down to grab your baby because with Pippa, I did that. I could feel her and I ended up lifting her out and onto me, but I couldn't reach him uh, being on hands and knees in the pool. So my midwife did. And then uh, then I kind of turned over and they put him put him on me and Andy was there and I just remember being like oh I don't know I don't even know how to describe it it was oh my gosh it's just so <sighs> like there are no words I have tears in my eyes too and you're like whole body yeah. goosebumps listening <laughs> to you yeah because you can just like imagine imagine yeah. all the steps and just the emotions of what it all felt like in getting to that moment. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just incredible. And he was there and um, we, we didn't know if he was going to be a girl or a boy. And uh, similar to Pippa, I was like, Andy, you can check and let everyone know or whatnot. And I guess he had a, Jack had a really, to me, it felt like a really short cord because when they lifted, when I was kind of laying in the tub, kind of semi sitting and had him on my chest like the cord was at its full length with him being there um and uh so I guess as they lift him on my chest and he kind of could see so then they were like do you know and I was like I don't know I was like and he's like uh I think it was <laughs> he's a boy um but someone else should double check just because like he didn't really he didn't really see in passing so <laughs> They confirmed he was a boy, so we knew his name was going to be Jack. Um, and yeah, it was just yeah, it was just really peaceful. And I knew also beforehand we had talked about if he was born in the water, um, you know what what the midwives preferred to make sure they could monitor everything properly after, and their preference had been for me to be able to get out of the water. Um, and just so they can monitor bleeding properly and that. So we had had the couch set up with plastic and everything on it. And something I should mention too, something that was really important to me was actually, I love Christmas time. I love having the tree. I love having things up. So we ended up getting all that like early. It was like the second or third week of November, which I know a lot of people like that is really early, but I knew for labor, I wanted to have the tree up and all that um, to be able to see while I was laboring, which it totally, it worked out that way. And then the other piece I was really hoping for was, yeah, they brought me over to the couch. So Jack and I were lying on the couch and he latched pretty quickly. And we were just lying there, just staring up at the tree with lights on. And this was, it was about 1030 in the morning. Um, so yeah, and it was just super calm. Um, the midwives were doing other checks for me and for him. Um, Andy was getting dealing with the pool. Uh, and my doula was just making sure I was comfortable getting me food and all that as well. So it was just to me, it just felt really peaceful. And it was really what I had hoped for um, and pictured. And 
so I just feel really lucky that 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 it all all played out as I had hoped. Um, and yeah, so we were on the couch for a bit. The midwives do stay at least three hours after to monitor us and bleeding and uh, nursing everything with both of us. So I'm not sure how long we were on the couch for. Um, and then they also check at that point to see if you do need any sutures or stitches. And they said I didn't, um, which was great. And yeah, we just, we hung out. My doula got a couple pictures of that too, which I was, I'm really happy she did. And then, so after that point, after we were okay to get up and move, my doula helped, my doula and midwife helped me go back up the stairs and, uh, and just have a shower to clean off. And then they had our bed. Our bed was all prepared already in case I was laboring on the bed or gave birth on the bed. So um, basically you prepare your bed with plastic sheets and other sheets that you can take off. And then, so you have a nice clean, warm bed afterwards. So that was all, all good to go after that. So we got to just rest in there. Pippa wasn't home yet at that point. Um, but she did come home. What was that? 1030. So she came home later around four or five. We just wanted, you know, the rest of that day just to chill with the three of us. Um, and, uh, and so that was super exciting when, when she came back and we didn't tell her, we, we told my mother-in-law not to tell her that Jack had been born either. Um, so I do have a little video of her. My husband met them downstairs and he brought her up and said there was a surprise in the bedroom. Um, so I got a video of her coming in the room and she's just like, baby. Um, it was just, it was really, really sweet. Um, yeah. So kind of looking back at it, it, so the whole thing ended up being about eight hours um, and about, yeah, four minutes, four or five minutes of pushing. Um, and I wasn't sure how long active labor was because the other piece of it was I actually didn't have any cervical checks the entire time. Um, and that was something we actually discussed also during pregnancy a lot about labor. I wasn't necessarily expecting not to have any cervical checks, but it was something that with Pippa's birth, um, they were particularly painful and I felt it really took me out of the zone. And there's obviously lots of reasons to do cervical checks. Um, and so my midwives knew that it would be something that, you know, if they recommended it, there were definitely, there would be certain reasons why they would need to do it. But also I knew that if I didn't feel I wanted it, I had, I could, you know, refuse those in terms of informed refusal. Um, so it was interesting after talking to my midwife about it, I, then I realized I didn't have any cervical checks because um, there was no point during the labor that I felt like I really could. Like things were at an intensity that I just couldn't even picture having a cervical exam. Like, exam. like I was just going with my body um, and, my mid, and my doula noticed that too. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And my midwife said she listening to my vocalizations and just seeing what my body was doing throughout, she said she basically knew where I was throughout. And she was also timing between surges and that. So it turned out my active labor was about two hours and 45 minutes. So it was fairly short. Um, and then, yeah, pushing being four or five minutes. And forgot to include before about placenta. Um, so that is something, again, they wanted to obviously monitor, make sure that came out properly. So while we were on the couch, 
Um, I had a bit of time with Pippa. It came out uh, less than 10 minutes after she was born. Um, but we had got to the 10 minute mark and the placenta wasn't out yet. So my midwife asked if I could stand and, and I had some help with standing up. Um, and just the sheer a bit of standing and using gravity and the placenta came out pretty, pretty quickly and easily. Um, so yeah, so that happened while I was downstairs. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of looking back, it's been really interesting, even over the weeks, just kind of continuing to like, think about it. And just I was, I did um, prepare quite a bit for it. And even visualization, which I know everyone has their opinion on visualization. Um, and we had a uh, guest on Alexia Leachman for Feel Free Birth, and she talks about visualization as well. And how she looked at it as like, not necessarily visualizing, you know, every detail of labor of what you're you're hoping will happen, but kind of the bigger picture of things and even kind of the time of it. So the pretty much like eight hours um, of labor and five minutes of pushing was actually fairly close to what I had visualized or, you know, had, had, I guess, prepared, um, which I thought was pretty, pretty neat how that all happened. Yeah. I think we should totally do a whole episode on more specifics on how you prepared. I think that is so interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. I was trying to think. I think I visualized like 10 hours of labor and like 10 minutes of pushing and it wasn't that far off from that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. cool. Okay, couple questions. Yeah. Did you ever have any moments during that where you thought, I cannot do this anymore? No. So that was also interesting looking. Both, I remember Pippa's labor and Jack's labor, it, it never entered my mind. I remember this with Jack's labor, there was one point that I ended up repeating, I can. And I remember my doula leaning in just to check what I was saying, that I wasn't saying I can't, because it is something important for people around you to notice if you're, um, you don't want to be suffering in labor. And that sometimes people um, from the outside laboring can seem to totally be um, in the zone and being able to handle it but then you'll hear some vocalizations that you can tell internally they're actually suffering um, I didn't experience that but I just thought I would bring that up because I definitely heard that happening um, but yeah no there was a point where I was just I think it was nearing the end I was saying I can and because surges were getting so on top of each other and it was so intense um, I remember looking up my doula and be like I just want a break and she's like I know you do. <laughs> She's like, but like basically the baby's going to be here soon. So yeah, there was no point that I felt like I was ready to like, um, yeah, that I couldn't handle it. Like I just really felt like I was out of the way of my body and just the other thing was keeping each surge. So being in the present moment. And I remember earlier, so when my doula got here, I don't think it was soon after that because I could still between surges kind of talk and um and just hear everyone and and be in conversations I remember telling her I'm like I just need I may need you to, to remind me to be present and just focus on each surge that my brain doesn't let me go ahead because I know that can happen um so yeah so to answer your question I would say no like it just I I I didn't doubt myself through it oh. 
so powerful. And would you have described your sensations as painful or use different words? Yeah, I remember we were talking about, um, you were talking about Steele's birth before and talking about Pippa's birth previously. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the term painful. I would say there was definitely an intensity and the intensity increased much faster with Jack's labor than Pippa's was longer than Jack's. So that I think there were different things of her possibly maybe getting into a better position, which is well, why things maybe weren't as intense earlier on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would use the word intensity. I, I wouldn't actually say I didn't feel pain um, during the, the labor or when he was being born. So you had no tearing with this birth. Yeah, they described like the perineum was intact. They said there was a bit of a graze, um, but nothing, nothing that needed stitching or anything like that. Um, and both midwives checked that. So that seemed to all be good. But I did know that regardless of that, whether I had stitches or not, and I have no problem with stitches. Um, with Pippa, I remember they said there was a uh, kind of a small tear and they could leave it or not. And I said, if you can put a stitch in it, put a stitch in it. So I just want people to know, like, and as public physios, like, it's it's not that we think no stitches is better. Um, it's just whatever whatever needs to be done to help your pelvic floor heal after is what is best. Um so yeah, so there was no stitches needed, but I did know still like there was going to be fatigue in the pelvic floor and like just having given birth, I'm not going to be wanting to be on my feet all day, um, that kind of thing. So I knew to definitely give my body still time to rest um, and heal afterwards. <laughs> Jack's trying to get on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about what that first week postpartum looked like for you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the first week, so I definitely um, wanted to rest even more than I did with Pippa, even if I felt great, um, which I, I did feel good after Jack as well. Um, but yeah, basically, we had kind of created like a hibernating space upstairs. So like our bedroom, um, Jack and I pretty much stayed there other than like getting up to go to the washroom. Um I think I came downstairs like once or twice that week, but basically stayed upstairs the whole time. I totally understand it did. It's really helpful. My husband was able to take vacation time from work so he could help not only with our toddler, but help make food and just really, he was so, so supportive. He was with Pippa as well. Um, but it was definitely different this time having a toddler and having a newborn. Um, so yeah, that first week looked like, staying in bed as much as possible, resting a ton, sleeping when possible, um, establishing, making sure nursing kept going well. Our midwives, um, between our teams, someone came and checked us uh, day one, day three, day five, and day seven. Um, so they come to your house and um, <laughs> they, uh, they would check me and also make sure like the uterus was, you know, my uterus was contracting properly to um, shrink down, um, taking um, his vitals, weighing him, making sure he was thriving. So, yeah. And we also, similar to Pippa, we had let people know ahead of time. I think they probably knew because we did it with her was we weren't going to really have visitors that first week. Um, 
So, and that's pretty much what happened. We did, like, my mother-in-law dropped Pip off that day that he was born. So she came up for a minute, but it wasn't really a visit. And my parents dropped some stuff off later in that week and came and said hi. But again, it wasn't, we weren't really having any real visits until after that first week. I uh, love so many things about this. The boundaries you set, I love that. Like you truly did what was best for your health, your physical and mental health during that time period. And that is so important for people to hear. And I just love hearing too about all the conversations you had with your midwives and doulas about your needs during labor and birth and what would be best for you if the health of mom and baby looked good elsewhere. Like you really took the time to tune into what you needed and then you had the the strength to tell them that too and that can be difficult to do but obviously so important yeah that's actually a good point I, I meant to bring that up too and it's something my doula also commented after is my uh, my midwife like Catherine who's there during birth like she was just so calm but so present and so respectful of what, not just my preferences, because yes, you can have preferences going into birth, but again, knowing birth can take its, you know, turns. And I think it would be good to have uh, an episode just on how I prepared, because we did go over my birth preferences. We went over, you know, if I was transferred to the hospital, what would that look like? What would be the reasons for it? Um, and I had a plan if we were transferred. Um, and we actually spent a lot of time during pregnancy talking, talking about those what ifs, like what if it doesn't go, what if it doesn't work at home and all of that. So we kind of had good plans for all of the, you know, A, B, C, D and E of how birth could go. Um, and while it's not always, you know, what you want to talk about, um, if birth doesn't go as planned, but I think preparing that way then also gave my mind and my body confidence of like, if it doesn't go this way, we've already gone over all the other options, it's going to be okay. Um, and just the consent, like she was just very, there were different things throughout labor, not just the cervical checks, but other things um, throughout labor. And my midwife would be really calm and she would just be in my ear and saying, you know, you had mentioned uh, you preferred not to have this or to have this. Um, happening is that still what you want um and just asking consent for everything along the way and there wasn't a ton of things to to be talking about but um those things that did come up and it was just in a very calm professional and respectful way and my doula took note of that too and she's like my midwife would be someone like she's like i would want her at my birth and and that's that's what you want at birth is just you can still ask for consent and be um, just, yeah, be really respectful of it and respect if the birthing person decides they do or they don't want something or they've changed their mind or I've changed my mind from five minutes ago. Um, she was just always checking, checking things and never doing like doing without asking basically. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
Um, just for those listening, I definitely found it helpful to have a doula both times. And with Pippa's birth, my natural path was actually a doula as well. Um, Dr. Mariska Taylor, who's been on the podcast before. Um, and this time I had Trish Burnell, who's a pelvic and orthopedic physiotherapist. So, and also a doula. So having their support, I found super helpful and I know my husband found very helpful as well. And again, they're for physical and emotional support, um, which yeah, was definitely super helpful for both of us. And if you're wondering more about um, doulas and the benefits and exactly what the difference between a doula and let's say your midwife or nurse or doctor is, you can check out episode 24 where we talked with Babel Mia um, about more specifics with that. So, um, yeah, so my doulas, they're not checking anything medically with me. Um, but I've mentioned that my midwife, she, she was really great with just letting me do my thing, but just to note, she definitely was checking all of the medical necessities, um, that you would have in a hospital as well. It just looks a little bit different at home. So she was checking all the same vitals that your nurse would in the hospital, or if you have a midwife in the hospital. So, you know, checking my temperature, also checking to make sure baby's heart rate was great, um, which they use, you call the handheld Doppler. And it's really neat because even though I was in the water quite a bit, she could actually check using the Doppler while I was in the water and could still hear Jack's heartbeat and everything, which was, which was pretty cool to see. Um, and also all the equipment. I don't feel like I've explained all the equipment they bring. They bring quite a bit to your house. So everything from oxygen, um, for me and baby, if either of us needed it afterwards, um, if they did need to suture, they have all their suture supplies. Um, with G if you're GBS positive, they bring antibiotics and IVs. Like there's just so many things they bring to your home. Um, and, uh, to go through kind of list of that, um, if you want to check out, so one of my midwives, Caitlin Murray, she was on the podcast on episode 30 and she went through, um, all the different things that, uh, midwives, at least here in Ontario, um, bring to your home. Um, it's a really, really great resource. So I just wanted to say, yeah, thank you for letting me share my birth story. It was really awesome to actually say it all out loud and go through it and just kind of relive it, which was really neat. Um, and just to say, too, I totally know, like, home birth is not ideal for everyone. And even my birth, while I feel it was ideal for me, it's not necessarily ideal for you or for anyone listening. So more the purpose of this episode was just to encourage you look into all types of birth, look into different care providers, different birth place options. Maybe you had considered a home birth. Maybe you haven't. Uh, maybe you already know for sure hospital is where you want to be. And both Jess and I feel like you want to birth in an environment that you feel safe and supported. Um, and home may not be that for you. Um, so just figuring out where you feel is best uh, for you and baby is really really going to help your experience um, throughout the whole birth journey. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thanks for, yeah, it's been great to kind of be able to kind of talk through it. Um, and yeah, and just being really grateful for what my body did, what Jack did, because I always, you know, I always talk about birth as in like, yes, it's our body doing it however birth unfolds but also there's a little baby or multiple babies who are also doing a lot of work um so I'm thankful for him that he just 
he did what he wanted to do and what how he felt he needed to do it and it it worked out great for both of us we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the to birth and beyond podcast you can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at to birth and and if you enjoyed today's show we would love for you to leave us a review on itunes and subscribe to the to birth and beyond podcast in itunes or stitcher 